You're welcome to be seated. As Ephesians 2 verse 6 says, in the heavenly places. May we never become so religious that we come here because just of another service. May we come to the house of God because it's a meeting place. You see, tonight can be another night where we just come and we can share one or two scriptures and we can give a round of applause. We came to sing songs. May we never do that. See, I shared with the worship team just before we started. Our worship should never just be because we love the Lord. Hear me? Why? I'm, I'm just, let me just qualify what I'm saying. Because there's a lot of people who love the Lord, yet they do not fear God. People who are, who are in love with Jesus, but it, when it comes to the presence of God, we are so familiar because we are used to God doing something in a certain way. May we draw back to the fear of God in this time. May we be a people that do not negotiate certain things. Can I tell you why? Because the enemy is out against your soul. He is not your friend. He does not want to befriend you. He is not some of those people that invite you on Facebook. I've got tons of them. If I open up, they're from different countries. My wife knows. And then they send me this inbox, come and preach in Pakistan. I'm like, no, I don't want to preach in Pakistan. I don't know somebody in Pakistan. So the first thing I do is, who are the mutual friends? That's what I first look at. And I see nobody. Then I don't want to friend you. Because most probably you're going to send me something that I don't want to see. May we be a people in a community, in a household of faith, who are mutual friends together in the kingdom of God and our common purpose is to know Him and only Him. You see, if we look at what I want to share about tonight is, uh, the, the, the title is called, He Has Got No Hold of Me. Speaking about the devil, the devil is not our friend. Just because he's in certain areas friendly, that doesn't mean he's your friend. Most people don't even know when you are hooked by the enemy. We go through life. You can come to church for many years. I shared with somebody uh, during the week. I shared about when, when I just got born again, God took me through a process of deep emotional therapy. One of the best things I've done in my life. Where the Holy Spirit took me through from the day of conception until my current age at that stage. And when a few years later, I'm speaking about, I would say about six, seven years later, I went to do a ministry school and... Um, on that ministry school, what, what basically happened, we started again with certain foundational things and I thought to myself, you know, why are we doing these things? I know why I know salvation. I know when you do the Father out of God, you're most probably going to do this. So in your mind, you already get used to it. And there was a moment with, with, with another man of God where I had the opportunity to, to be in the session of deep emotional therapy. And I thought to myself, okay, let me take this opportunity. I know usually how it happens. Okay, the Holy Spirit shows you one, two, three pictures. It's wonderful. And as I'm in this session, the Lord showed me something what happened at my birth that I've never seen in my life before. The Lord showed me where the enemy tried to, well, first of all, try to take my life. And the second of all is where he wanted to enter and that he used rejection as. Rejection at a place where I was born with an umbilical cord around my neck and I swallowed the amniotic fluid, word for today. Vrugwater. And um, what happened is at that stage, they took me out and they needed to put me in ICU and it was this whole thing. So I always knew I had an umbilical cord around my neck. I knew that. But I never knew that I swallowed umbilical fluid or umbilical fluid. You see, now I got it wrong again. Make me nervous. Amniotic fluid. When I swallowed it, they took me to ICU at that stage. And, uh, and the doctors, first then, uh, they, they called my dad. And my dad, in this vision that I saw, I saw my dad just saying, my son, my son, looking at me in shock. And I explained this at that stage to my mom and my dad. What I saw at that stage, my mom started weeping. She's like, how do you know this? We've never told nobody. 
And I said, no, that's what I saw. This is what the Holy Spirit showed to me, how the enemy wanted to bring rejection. And I saw how when my, ja- when, when my, when, when my dad said, my son, the doctors tried to take the wrapped baby now, obviously, because now you got pipes and other things, and I wanted just to show me to my mom. And my mom said, this is not my son. Because she had a different expectation of how, obviously, her second born will look like. Most probably the first one, easy, done. And um, I, I don't say easy because I saw my wife giving birth and it was not easy. I salute every woman in the name of Jesus. To every man who's stuck with a cold or with a flu, you are not knowing what you're speaking about. The woman should listen because you know better. I'm just joking. So in that stage, they showed my mom said, no, this is not my son. This is not my child. This, this is my kinti. And my dad again just said, my son, my son, because he was shocked. And I saw in this vision, I saw Jesus walking into the, to the delivery room where they had me. And he, as he came in and my dad said, my son, he said, no, my son. And he took me up at that moment and he embraced me. And at that moment, the person that was sitting in front of me embraced me with the love of God. And I realized in that moment how the enemy used something so subtle without my knowledge, how the devil trapped me with rejection in my life. I'm telling you right now, if the Lord sets you free from something, you have got no reason to apologize and to go back to what He has bounded you with. If you go back to those places, we make everything that is done as something small, which is not. God is there to set us free because the Bible says the Son has come to set you free. Jesus' desire is to see you free, whole, healed, walking in the fullness. The Bible declares in the book of John, It says that Jesus had the Spirit without measure. Do you know what that means? The fullness of who God is through the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Everything you need to live this life for godliness is already inside of you. The Holy Spirit's task is to make you into the image of Christ. The devil's focus is to make you into the image of yourself. You see, what is the difference between a lie and the truth? It's not the information. It's the source. Can I say that again? The difference how to know a lie from what is the truth is the source. Where does it come from? You know, the Bible says in the book of Acts 16, there was a time just before Paul and Silas, they were in prison and they were just before that. There was a girl who followed the apostles. And in that days, she said, these men, they are pointing you to the most high God. And they followed her or they, she followed them for days. The Bible says she was a fortune teller. She, she was a slave girl that brought in money. And there was a time in the book of Acts 16 where the Bible says that when Paul got irritated by her speaking, she was speaking the truth, but from the wrong source. And he turned around and he says, I bind you, leave her. And it says immediately the evil spirit left her and she lost all her power to tell fortunes. You see, what am I telling you right now? I'm telling you, in this age, we've got a lot of spirits of divination that can say the right thing, that can articulate the right things, that's got a form of godliness, yet they do not have the power of God. The Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians 4, it says that the kingdom of God is not by mere talk. A lot of people are talking. Christians are talking. The Bible says it's not by mere talk, but by a demonstration of power. How do you know the truth? from the lie well by the demonstration of power people who profess you I've got the way of freedom yet you do not walk in freedom you've got no business to lead people in freedom 
Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You cannot tell. If I tell Rechard right now, have you ever tasted the white magnum before? Okay, most probably. Okay, I was taking a guess. Have you never done that? Okay, you're losing out. Life is too short. What's your... You don't... White chocolate. Arman, just lay a hand right there. But if you have never tasted, yet you've seen it, how could you make a comment that you don't like it? See, there's many Christians who've seen things in the Word, yes, they've never tasted it. Yet you've got an opinion how provision should come, how healing should come, how prophecy should work, how the attendance of believers should work. I'm telling you right now, we should be careful not operating in the spirit of divination. It's a very, very scary place to be at. You see, the devil wants to get a foothold in your life so that he can create a stronghold. That is his goal. What is a foothold? William, won't you please come right here? Look at this man. He's so handsome. And while I'm saying that, he's just blushing. I love doing that. He's got new kicks. Okay. And so, like it. A foothold is just grabbing you here, but it doesn't mean I've got a stronghold. I want to do something very radical. Who's a very strong man? No, no, no. Armand, Armand is doing CrossFit. You mustn't underestimate him. Quickly come here. I want to show you something. You see, the enemy's goal is to get a foothold on your life. And he doesn't want... He doesn't want the big places. He just wants the small compromised areas. You see the areas where you're not lying, but you are exaggerating. <laughs> Did you do leg day? Where's Maya? Did you do leg Yes. Free advertisement. You see, if I've got a foothold on William, he's got certain places. He can still pull away. Is the truth? Okay? Quickly walk away from me. See, I, I can have your leg. It's easy, but with a lot of force, he can break himself loose. But a stronghold is if he picks him up. Sock patats. How can you run from that? Don't do it too long. You're a married man. <laughs> what am I trying to say? Because in a foothold, you've still got another foot to stand on. That's where Christians are standing with one foot in the world and the other one in the church, proclaiming the praises of God. And the enemy is fine with you because he's trying to get a foothold. But the area where he gets a stronghold is where you've got no foot to stand on because you've given Him all right in your life. Not by saying, Satan, take my life. No, but by giving the authority that Jesus paid dearly for. You give it to Him. And He calls the shot in your life. So if Armand picks up Him, you don't have to do it again. I see, he's just, he's waiting for that. If he picks him up, he can walk with him wherever he chooses to go. That's the problem. Because the foothold, you can still say, no, 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 no. I'm pulling away. No, I know you, Lord. And you know how you realize people are already in a foothold with the enemy. If your prayers usually start with, Lord, I'm so sorry. That your entrance sentence to God needs to say, Lord, I'm so sorry because you do not understand that in Christ, I'm a new creation and through Jesus, I am the righteousness of God. And in that place where He can pick you up, you've got no choice where you wanna move because you're gonna be moved by whatever is happening around you. Thank you so much. Can you just bless? 
The problem is this. If you look to that scripture in John 14 verses 30, it says this. I will not say much, Jesus speaking, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me. Another translation says, he has got no uh, hold in me. But he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and I, this rocks my mind. The enemy's attack on my life proves the love of Jesus. Why will the enemy attack you if he doesn't know that there's something valuable in trying to distort it? It says this, but he comes, speaking of the enemy, that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what the Father has commanded me to do. You see, the simple place of this, of destroying a foothold in place of the enemy is knowing that my first responsibility to the Father is obedience. Unapologetical obedience. You see, partial obedience is still disobedience. Many times I ask my son, quickly go and do something. And he doesn't do it. And I'm like, hey, go and do it. And my second time, I don't usually speak like that, but there were times that I did it. And then he says, now I'm going to do it now, now. Have you heard that before? I'll do it now, now. That's a very bad English word. I'll do it in a while. Very Afrikaans. And then there comes a time where I said, you know what? I'll do it myself. And at that time, he's like, no, no, no. I'll do it right now. Because partial obedience is disobedience. We wait until the time where we feel our whole world is falling apart, then we want to be obedient. That is called walking in disobedience. Friends, I'm telling you right now, the enemy is not our friend. And his goal is to destroy us. Listen to this. Ephesians 4 verses 27. Do not let the devil start working in your life. That's the new living version. I love that. Do not let the devil start working in your life. How many of you are in the working class? I see a very few confused people. Mario, we know that you work. Okay. Isn't it funny that many times, those of you who've got children, your children want to decide what you want to eat tonight. I'm like, hey, you unemployed person right now. We cannot eat pizza every night. And if I feel like I want to have KFC, then I'll eat it. And you can blow up your mouth three and a half bars. That's fine. But until you start earning something, you can contribute something. The problem is, the enemy is already just trying to work because he's been working throughout the ages. Christians need to realize that when he starts working, he can actually contribute to your life. But if he's not working in your life, you can tell him, hey, shut your yap. Okay, that was for free. Listen to this. NIV, and do not give the devil a foothold. We spoke about the Weymouth translation says, and do not leave room for the devil. See, it's interesting when I just got I started liking my wife. At that stage, my, my girlfriend. Still like you. More than when I started it. Honestly, the Lord is my witness. And um, as, as we started doing, you know you want to do things to impress her. You are, Francia, take notes. Ne? So what you do is, you spend money that you don't have. You stay up late, at times we feel like, dear Lord Jesus, I'm going to regret this in the morning. And it's already morning. I sat in front of her parents' house till three o'clock in the morning. And we were chatting in the car. And there was so much... What do you mean, Vasim? Fog. 
No, that's not fog. It's not inside the car. And it wasn't like this Titanic scene. It, it, it wasn't. It was us having this amazing conversation. I didn't want to leave her. And you have this sweet talk. No, no, no. Go by. No, no, you're by. And I know I need to be up six o'clock because seven o'clock I need to be at work. Three, we're still having a conversation. At five, she needs to leave to Midrand. But yet we're having this conversation. And then when I just got home, I sent this message. I miss you already. <laughs> What's up with that? But you do things because you want to make room for your relationship to grow. You see, the moment you recognize the enemy's voice above God's voice is a clear indication that you've worked on the relationship on the devil's side instead of God's side. Listen, the Amplified says, do not give the devil opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness. Can I tell you, the enemy's trap is to get you into those things and he'll keep you busy. And the thing that he'll do is he'll just try with that anger, with that thoughts of that person. And it starts grippling you that there's times that you can't even be in the presence of God because you're thinking about this person and they irritate you. It's a sign that the enemy has got a foothold over you. The enemy works on opportunities. The word opportunities is a place in the Greek called a marked off space. You know, when they are busy on a construction site, they have a marked off space. That is what the enemy is after. Your soul. He's after the marked off space that is reserved for God. Have you ever been in that situation where you go into a, many times before, that you go to a shopping center and there's a person, a cargo or something, they show you, no, you can park here and there's another car that just go whoop. They just park there and you feel like your blood pressure is going up. And like you want to swear, but you know you are born again. So you just speak in tongues. The thing is the enemy is trying to get an open door in your life. What is an open door? An open door is not where it's got full access. It is just a foothold where you can't close the door because he's got access now to bring in. And the more opportunity comes, he forces his way in because you've given him legal right. How do you give the legal right? Well, there's many things. Well, I, I thought about, you know, old wives' tales, ofro stories. I was reminded about somebody speaking about something yesterday and I was like, yes, this is so true. You know, there's certain things that you were taught when you grew up that is not the truth. But yet you believed it to be true. From generation to generation, they say, no, this is how it works. You don't do that. Like this, if you see a black cat in a broken mirror, don't walk under a, a ladder. I feel like at that stage, I should have had all the bad luck in my world. You know what I do? I'm, I'm that intentional person. So I move things and this thought comes up. In my, I was uh, taking off, uh, what do you call it, a beam in my garage. And as I was taking on this ladder, which I climbed up to do that, and this thought came, says, no, if you walk under, it's bad luck. I'm like, what's this story is that? And I climb under my ladder and I'm like, hey, what nonsense is this? I don't have bad luck. Who can curse what the Lord has favored? The problem is you don't understand that you walk in the favor of God. Can I tell you a testimony? Some of the things I see the most, people who are walking, other Christians walking in frustration is because they're trying to, I don't know, they're trying to make me the center of their life. And I see how the Lord is frustrating them. Things are not coming together. Can I tell you the truth? Don't focus on another person. Finish the assignment that God has given you. Walk the race that God has set in front of you. Do what He's called you to do. And when you've answered to the Lord, the Lord is not going to ask you, uh, listen, tell me, what did you think about JP's call in the Lord? He couldn't care less because God has got something for him. And it's His goal to go and find it out. 
So what should we do? Well, listen to this. Some of the lines. Well, some famous ones. Ever heard about the five-second rule? Do you sing the germs? And something falls. They're like, one, two, three. Ah, uh, no. It's safe. You can eat it. But if it was five seconds, you would have been in trouble. Think about the ridiculousness of that. Second one. Being cold will give you the cold or flu. What? When I was younger, when you went outside, my mom always said, no, wear a jacket. I don't want you to get sick. Listen here. The way, let me explain to you, biology 101. In order for you to become sick, you need a virus or a bacteria. You don't need the weather. Guys. Can I just say that? That is what made COVID, COVID even more ridiculous. The top scientists in the world were still calling the things you can't go outside. Can't exercise. No, 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 no. Wear a mask. Guys, microbiology 101. Okay, third one. I see people don't like them when I said COVID. Third one. Eating carrots will give you better eyesight. Listen, I've used that to motivate my own children, but that it's a lie. You know where that lie started? Can I give you information, history? It actually started with the airplane, uh, the captains in the, that, that flew the, the military airplanes. And they said to, the, to, to all the troops in World War II, in order for you to hit targets, you must eat more carrots because it betters your eyesight. A rumor in World War II has become a household thing to get children to eat vegetables. Shows you the power of a lie. That even unconsciously, when I would make, like yesterday I made an oxtail, it was amazing. Without me knowing it, I just chopped in vegetables, carrots, better eyesight. A lie is a lie. Last one. Shaving makes the hair grow back thicker. Guys, you can shave all you want. The reason why it feels thicker is because of the grain that you are shaving against. It doesn't change the hair follicle. It's a lie. If that was the truth, then my beard must have been one like Abram at this stage. Certain people who've got no hair, I'm, the Lord is still, I've got something there. The Lord has got my hairs numbered on my head. It's easier. Why are you laughing? You've got nothing to count. <laughs> it's easy. I just know it's you. The Lord says, I know it's you. <laughs> Why is that important? Because the enemy is looking for opportune places. The first place that he's looking for is when Christian believers, us as believers, we come to the household of God and we pretend. Some of the footholds the enemy puts on people is seeing how another person prays and worships and all those things. And you act out and that puts a burden on me and I think, oh, that's the way I should do it. Not even knowing it, I'm being hooked because somebody's teaching me a formula and not a relationship with Jesus. Pretense. Second one. The enemy loves to, to mess with you when you are tired or feeling overwhelmed. You know when you are tired, you think irrational. It's the truth. That's why you can't make major, major decisions in your life when you are tired. Certain people feel, I'm just going to quit my job. No, don't do that. Because you are feeling tired. Take your leave that belongs to you. Go rest. Take a nap. There's nothing wrong with a nap. Jesus slept in the boat. Thank you for that revelation. And as you do that, because sometimes we've got this, this picture that Jesus was obviously on this mission, that His whole life, He was just, there were times when He was traveling, He was just sleeping. There was another time in Scripture where the Bible says, 
He went away from the crowds to rest a little bit. Listen here. Sometimes it does you well to go away from people to find rest. When you go to places to replenish yourself, don't take a lot of people with you. You're going to return much more tired. Rule 101. Can I give you a second tip? Don't go with family. I'm not speaking about your household. Take them with. But sometimes I feel like coming back from a holiday, I feel like I need a holiday from my holiday. Have you been like that in your life? The devil is a liar, man. See, Satan came to tempt Jesus while he was hungry and tired while fasting in the wilderness. What makes you immune to the attacks from the enemy? Third one, the ways that he enters you, tries to get a foothold on you, is through disobedience. See, disobedience, in a nutshell, is where Samson, not Samsung, Samson, the strong man in the Bible, where, where his parents said, no, go and find yourself a wife from our own tribe. And through his own lustful desires, he chose somebody from a tribe that was not for them. God wasn't saying, no, I don't like that tribe and I don't like that tribe. That's not what he was saying. He says, because what I've destined you to do needs to be kept in what my plan is inside this community of believers, not hating other nations. You see, but the power of, of your world can be so strong. And here's the problem. Samson was blind way before his eyes got plucked out. Disobedience makes you blind to the instructions of the Lord. That by the time his eyes were out, the only thing that he had was his ears again to hear and say, Lord, help me one more time. Telling you the truth, disobedience. See, here's the point. Curses must be broken and demons must be drived out. There is no other way. How the enemy wants to grip us and to tie us, we're going to get into a few things right now because the enemy wants to take territory in our lives and we should not give him that opportunity. We are not immune to the attacks of the enemy. Every person who thinks, listen here, because I'm a pastor, I've got this hotline to God. I want to say to you, wake up, smell the coffee. I don't. I need to read my own Bible. I need to pursue the Lord for myself. I need to live in sanctification for myself. There's nothing that somebody like Prophet Gibbard will have a relationship on my behalf because this is his church. It doesn't work like that. Just in that same way, you can't be in this church and bank on my relationship with God. Why? Jesus says, pray in this manner. Our Father. Otherwise, He would have just said, my Father. He's invited you into that relationship. So, here's some areas where the enemy loves to steal. We're going to come, come in for a landing. Emotional problems. You realize there's a lot of emotional problems that's going on in your life. And I'm speaking about there's certain times where you feel like, <laughs> I just feel so sorry for myself. Somebody needs to just bring you a balloon because you feel sorry. And somebody, you must just, uh, a prophet giver usually said about a pity party. We must just bring streamers as well and just go, and just feel sorry for one another and then we can get over it. Listen here. The enemy is out not just to kill, steal and destroy, but to ruin you that you would ruin others. Why is that important? Because if you've got a small puppy and that puppy is so cute and you look into his small puppy eyes and it is Dusbin Friday like what it is by us. I don't know what day it is by you. And then the, the Dusbin truck comes and it drives over the backside of that puppy. That's very graphic right now. And the puppy survives. Do you know the moment when you pick up that dog, that dog will bite you? Not because it doesn't like you, but because it's hurt. So why on earth do we get so emotional when Christians around us are biting us because it's a clear indication that they are hurt? And the Lord wants to set us free from that. Emotional problems, a constant feeling of confusion, loneliness, feeling unloved, 
ongoing sadness. Come on, can I relate? I'm not making any of these things small. I'm naming it because I realize there's people who's, this is your reality. Feelings of sorrow and grief. Insomnia, you can't sleep. And restlessness. Not like my wife. She likes to be up two, three in the morning and I wake up and she's sitting up in the bed. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm reading Bible. I'm like, yes, do it like normal people. Like when, when you're really awake. Okay, bless you. I salute you. Mental problems, fear and anxiety, confusing thoughts, heaviness of the mind, feeling of paranoia, hearing voices and you're not hearing the voice of God. Some voices are speaking in your ear, making no sense in thinking and in action. You do things that you, you wonder, why on the earth are you doing these things? I found a person many years ago when I was a youth worker, many years ago, this person was on fire for God and he got into a relationship. And in this relationship, he really liked this girl. And he said to me these words. He said to me, I am having sex with this girl because I, I discern that he's walking in sin. Suddenly, something just changed him. I said to him, listen, are you walking in sin? And he's like, no, I'm not walking in sin. I said, listen, can I ask you a question? Are you sleeping with this girlfriend of yours? He's like, oh, yeah. I was like, what? He's like, no, God said to me, we can have sex already because we're going to get married. I'm like, how deceived do you want to be? That you said, God said, we can have sex because we're anyway going to get married. I'm telling you, deception. Third one, speech problems. Constantly negative talk. Uncontrolling, uncontrollable swearing. Using the Lord's name in vain. Cursing people and little things. Sexual problems, fornication, sex outside of marriage, lust and constant sex, adultery, homosexuality tendencies, pornography, perverted desires, pedophilia, bestiality, gender confusion. People are arguing. I watched the interview the other day. They were interviewing a lady under what they call it now, gender dysform, dysformia. I think that's what they call it. Dysphoria. And this lady said, I recognize myself as a red-tailed falcon male. Like, what? I think you need a bum spoon. You associate as a red-tailed bird. Listen, gender confusion is a demonic stronghold by the identity of Christ that He's given you. He's made you both male and female, not identify as the elephant and then as the penguin. You cannot be offended by these things. It's confusion, it's demonic by nature. How in the past 6,000 years we didn't have this issue, but in the last five years, man's opinion superseded God's method. Because in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves. You know what's so interesting when Paul writes that, that verses? He's not speaking about the world. He's writing to Christians. So we think, and he says, and the love of God will grow cold. Children will be disobedient towards their parents. It's in the household of faith. Don't look to the world. The world is already being destroyed. But let it not be on the inside in the house of God. May we be different. Okay, addictions, alcoholism, smoking, illegal drugs, sex, gluttony. The thing that nobody wants to say in church because we feel that's body shaming in terms of people who've got an eating problem. Friends, it's an emotional state. I'm saying that, please hear me right. Everybody is so afraid not to, not to offend somebody around them that we'll rather not speak the truth to somebody in love. Found many people that said, I'm struggling with my blood sugar. Well, are you exercising? My wife will be so proud of me right now. 
You know what she did? I was at the time, there was, I was very sick in my life. And she said to me, these two things, these two things you're not doing, you're not drinking water, you're not exercising. I'm like, I'm really sick. How do you? She's like, yeah, it's because you don't drink water. <laughs> then I started drinking a lot of water. And I'm like, okay, what can be excused? And that's because you're not exercising. I'm like, just, just feel sorry for me for something. And that's the problem inside our Christian communities. We want to just be felt sorry for. It's interesting if you go into the animal world because we, if you want to look to certain things, look to the patterns of nature. If there's an injured animal outside, the other animals don't feel sorry for that animal. But we want the affirmations and the applauses of people because of insecurity and because of the form of rejection that we've not dealt with. Are you still okay? Two more. Physical infirmities, weaknesses, some diseases, reoccurring illnesses. There's people, they are just sick the whole time over the same thing. You go to the doctor and even the doctor is like, okay, I'm now, I'm getting a consultation fee. It's fine, but yeah, please get help. Because there's certain things that is not right. And the first sign to it, it must be a spiritual thing. Listen to this. Undiagnosed sicknesses. Symptoms with no apparent cause. Last one. Religious error. Why is that important? Because religious error doesn't start when I deny Christ. It's when I go to the doctrines of demons where there's things where I think to believe something to be true, which is not the truth. Let me use a good example. We teach people, if you want something from God, you know, let's get, uh, let's say, William, he's trusting the Lord now for a billion rand contract to come through. I'm going to say amen. Okay. Who come near? And uh, now I know that he's smoking something. He's not smoking something. But say for he is smoking something. Now I tell him, no, no, you must first stop smoking and then God's going to come through for you. You know that is a, that's a doctrine of demons. Let me prove it. Jesus says, pray in this matter. Our Father, who art in heaven. That's not who does art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is, on earth as it is in heaven. Then what does that next one say? Give us this day our daily bread. Me needs first. And then what's the second part? Forgive us all our trespasses. As soon as I tell somebody, you must first do this in order to get that from God, I'm teaching people works. Paul writes Galatians 3. He says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You started off in the Spirit, then you turned to works. There's many people who started off in liberty with the Lord, but now you're walking in bondage. Can I testify? In my life, I was there many a times when we lost our first child. I was offended with God working full-time ministry. We love, we, my children, we, we taught them the story and obviously the, the fetus in the, what do you call it? In the womb. The development, oh, there were some challenges. So we named it between myself and my wife. We called it just Saki because it was just a bag. So it's a thing in our family where we speak about now our firstborn's name was Saki. And uh, my children always ask, they're like, where's Saki today? <laughs> it's just a funny, I don't know why I even shared it. Hey, listen here. I was so offended with God that I said, God, if you're so good, why do you take life? And one day, I'll never forget, it was a Friday before I needed to go and preach at a youth service. I was, pre I was praying and I was just, man, I was praying in tongues and I was had, having fiery tongues. And I prayed, and I had Jason Upton playing in the background. It was amazing. And then there was a stage where I just said, I started speaking these words. I said, and you will be with a child in the next three months. As I was praying, I said that words. And I, I was shocked that I did, what? I'm like, no, 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 no. No, God, and I realized I was offended with God. The Lord said to me, you need to set me free. Can you think about it? You are offended with God because God has not come through for you in the way that you think you should. So, 
Are you still with me? So there's a few things I sense how the Lord just wants to set certain people free from tonight. And we're going to do this corporately tonight. We're going to do this unashamed. Man, I'm so excited. Man, the Lord's desire is to, to see us walk in freedom. And the thing is that you can be a leader in this church for 20 years or you can be the, became born again just before you came in here. There's something that we should not do. We come to the house of the Lord that we are broken. And as soon as we enter these doors, we make as if we've got everything together. There's a beautiful saying, two words. Stop it. We are all children of God. God has not got favorites. He's got not other people that He likes more than other people. It's not the truth. Everybody's assignment is just differently. But He doesn't love you differently. It's a lie teaching people that there's a few more people that is exclusive. God has not got exclusive children. If that would be the truth, He would not be a good father. Sometimes, even in speaking, we can say nice things to elevate one person above another. By That's called pride. Let it not be amongst us. May we be a people who walk in the humility of God. God says, I resist the proud, but I give grace to the humble. May I not despise Cusper's walk in the Lord because of the place where I am right now. As soon as I compare myself, I'm already working with the enemy. Even in business, if Louis is selling houses, and there's 300 other people in this place also selling houses. Don't compare yourself with who sells the more houses. Now he's the best agent. No, just walk in that what is done that is supposed to be in front of you. It's as easy as that. And then if you need a skill, work on your skill, get help, grow, learn, but don't compare. Isn't it interesting if you usually find mothers coming together, everybody speaks about their children. My child is the strongest and the cleverest and the brightest spark in the whole wide world. Mama's a doering. Isn't it interesting? When we come into the household of God, we don't equate to that. We elevate ourselves by the gifts that has been given by grace to us. And we cannot boast in that. It is received. Just walk in them. So, Here's certain things that I just sense how the Lord says, I want to set people free from. Are you ready? Any family background in the occult and false religions. Man, if your family has been in a place where they could have been in Mormonism, they could have been in Satanism, they could have been in, even in, in, in uh, worshipping of certain ancestors, they wanted to lure you into those things. First thing. A false religion is a religion that is not, that is denies Christ as God. Certain religions, they include Jesus, but they not make Jesus only. Then you know you're in a false religion. Second one, any abuse from early childhood, it might have been emotional, physical, or sexual. Third one, any traumatic experiences, an accident, a sickness, a criminal activity, a divorce, or a perverted observation. See, the enemy's goal is to tie you so that he can use you. Next one, any sinful act or habits, particularly fornication. Listen, can I tell you the truth? If you are having sex outside of marriage and you're, uh, marriage and you're not married, you don't need to ask, okay, what is too far not to fear? Sin is sin. You see, we didn't have actually sex. We just played. No, you didn't play nothing. Can we speak the truth to one another? If somebody is not your husband by ring, by commitment, and by marriage certificate, don't call them my hubby. They are not. Don't act as marriage pe married people because certain things are socially acceptable. Hey, 
If you are burning with passion, the Bible says, get married. If you need help, please come and speak to me afterwards. I will sign you gladly. That's the Lord is my witness. I will help you to get married, but don't live in sin. You are giving the devil a foothold and you wonder, why is he destroying my life? You can do that until you're blue in the face. You're not walking in uprightness before the Lord. Next one. Any, any laying on of hands that came through false religious ceremonies or dedications as, as, or, uh, as children. I took some people when we broke off some demonic altars here in the north. Do you know that there is Satanists living on this mountain? They are climbing a mountain that is not easy to climb if you did not know that. Certain guys that have been with us, it is hard work. As soon as you start climbing, you start perspiring. It is hard work. They are going there every day to sacrifice on certain places. And we need to beg Christians to come to church. I'm saying, you, saying to you right now, it should not be so amongst the believers. Where's the passion? Where's the fire of God? Where we go onto these places and we break down these altars. And I say, this area belongs to Jesus Christ. Every spell, every wicked witch, every warlock, we bind you, we bind your, your curses. They will be of no effect. You wonder why our area, now yes, Pretoria North is going down the drains. Stop it. Stop speaking like that. You are agreeing what the enemy wants you to agree with. Sorry for my passion. I get very excited about this. Next one. Personal sin. Especially willful sin. And that's the blank. You know what is sin. By the Holy Spirit's conviction. The Bible says whatever you cannot do in faith is sin. Wondering, can I go and... Okay, I'm not smoking cigarettes. Can I smoke a pipe? Guys... By you even asking the question, you cannot do that in faith. Okay, enough on that. Idle words, speaking direct curses over your life and over, uh, over others through undisciplined speaking. Soul ties, we touched on that. Unforgiveness, demonic vows. Do you know that God can promise you a million things and you can talk yourself out of the promises of God? God promised Abram a child and, he was, and she was rebuked because of a disbelief, just because she laughed. Okay. Horoscopes. It's interesting that I find now in the body of Christ, people are mixing body uh, horoscopes to say, no, you can actually find out your, your, your giftings. What? Look to the star. There's one. His name is the bright morning star. Jesus Christ. If I'm a Taurus or am I a Pegasus? Well, I don't even know what star signs you can... Think about it. Certain months you are called a cancer. What? Doctrines of demons. It might sound spiritual, but it's not from the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you that. Ancestral sins. If your family sacrificed to demons, let's make sure that those things do not cross over into my family. Last one. Mentioned it earlier. Lying and exaggeration. See, if you recognize some of those things in your life, you're like, yes, sir, yeah, yeah. it felt a little bit heavy right now. Can I tell you right now, the enemy is out to hook you. The enemy wants to destroy your life. Satan is not your friend. The demonic world is out to kill you. They want to take your life with them to eternal damnation. God does not hate you to send you to hell. He is holy. Therefore, He cannot be in the presence of sin. That's why we need Jesus Christ. 
that we are in Christ, you are a new creation, as if you never sinned before. And that process in this life, as I'm walking through it, it's called sanctification. I need to live a life pleasing to the Lord. Not Mother Teresa, now you become a nun and you just walk around with a Bible under your arm. No, don't walk with a Bible under your arm. Get it into your heart. I put it on that. That was a nice one. Okay, Mariska. And I sense how the Lord wants to set people free today, tonight. That the devil might not have a hold on you. See, I can't preach something that I have not been to with the Lord myself. That I need to make sure, Lord, is my life pleasing to you? Morona, it's good seeing you. I want to share with you just as I see right now, the Lord is going to change directions in work-related things. The Lord is opening a door for you because you were overlooked in the area. You think you got promotion right now. God is opening something for you that will astound you and your husband. Because you labored so long. That what you think is the promise. You've not seen anything yet. Okay. Amen. But before we do that, you know what's the way to repentance? Just to be honest. Not asking you to, to come and say, no, Father, for I've sinned, now I come into this cubicle and I do that. No. You know why we need to confess our sins to one another? The Bible says it's easy. So that you might be healed, not forgiven. <laughs> There's certain sins that you commit that is already forgiven, but it only heals you until you confess it to, an, to another person. Let me use a good example. People who are stuck in lust. You've prayed a million times, Father, I'm so sorry, I'm not going to do it again. And then you do it again. You know, oh Lord, I'm so sorry. I promise this time, this time, I'm meaning business. Until you go to somebody, you say, no, listen here, I've got a problem and I want to be open with you. Help me, keep me accountable. Here's my phone. Put a password on my browser. Is there a certain place, a certain time? When I'm in that situation, can I call you? Can I tell you, I've done that to many people that I've walked the Lord uh, road with. And there's only a few people who has ever, like one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, then they send me a message. I'm like, who the heck sends a message at this time in the morning? And the person just says, I need help. I feel tempted. A few people. Can I say, those are the people who are walking in freedom to this day. But the people who will hide it. Jesus says, you are whitewashed tombs. You're clean on the outside, but on the inside. Because you've got a form of godliness. We say that certain things are harder for God to deal with. That's rubbish. God can set you free in a moment. If there's things in your life and you realize that there's areas and there's many things I, I mentioned, that's why I'm not calling them out one by one because I don't want to embarrass anybody because I know we are all about emotional damage. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I just thought about it. You know that TikTok? Uh, it's funny. I'm not making it small. I'm saying that we are so much, you know what's our biggest evil of this time? Is that we value our own thinking above the Word of God. Now I feel this is, this is not right. Says who? There's certain things in the Word. It's like a snake represents what? The devil. Well, until there was a time in the desert where God said to Moses, Make a bronze serpent, lift it up. Everybody looks to it, they'll be healed. <laughs> oh no, there's floods. No, it's God's judgment. Earthquakes. No, yes. You know, in the upper room, there was an earthquake. It's not God's judgment. Let's be careful not to think things into the world, into the word that's not there, just because you've made up your mind already. Let's be open for God to minister to us. 
So I want to say if there's areas in your life, I want you to stand right now. You feel like, Lord, I need to be free in certain areas. Thank you, Lord. Can I ask the worship team to come, please? I want to say very outright from the moment right now, there's people that you need to go and forgive. Go and do that. Jesus makes this instruction. He says, if you come to worship and you bring your gift, leave it at the altar, go and make right. Let's not be a people who play around with certain things, harboring bitterness. Those things will destroy you. Telling you out of first hand experience, there's places that I've been offended in my life and it ruins you. If there's places like that, it's not my prayer that's going to do anything. It's where the prayer of a righteous man and woman. You know how you are righteous? In Christ. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, say, Father, I want everybody to just pray this. Say, Heavenly Father, my Father, help me. I want to know you. I want to be sure that my name is written in your book of life. I am a son and a daughter by birth right now. I am born again. I am right now the righteousness of Christ. I disconnect myself from every demonic stronghold in my life and over my life. In this moment, I repent for every sin that was done willingly and unwillingly. In this moment, I choose to walk as Jesus walked. Help me, Holy Spirit. I want to live for you. I die to myself. Make me a vessel of use in your house. Holy Spirit, put a fresh fire in my bones. May I be consumed with the fire of God. I want to burn for you, Lord, every form of compromise. I repent for lukewarmness. I repent for permissible sin. I choose to unhook Myself, as what Jesus said, He has no hold on me. Thank you, Lord. That is your word declares. I am hidden in Christ. I am in your hand. And nobody can take me out of your hand. Not even myself. Father, I pray right now for every single person, every form of guilt, every form of shame, every form of heaviness. I bind every lying spirit. I say to you in this night, be silenced, be moved off of God's people. I say to you in this night, of your mind, your mind will be clear. Your mind will be at peace. Your mind will think good and noble thoughts. In this night, you will go to bed at peace. In this night, we pray that every form of condemnation will fall off of you for the Word declares. Therefore, there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ.
I am in Christ and Christ is in me. The greatest mystery. I pray that in this night, Lord, may every false burden fall off of God's people in the precious name of Jesus. Every form of traditionalism, every spirit of divination, I bind you. That's got a form of godliness, yet denying the power thereof. I pray that in this night, Lord, baptize us in the Holy Spirit and with fire. I pray that in this night, Lord, set us ablaze. I pray that in this night, Lord, my fire, Lord, come upon us. May streams of living water flow out of our bellies in the name of Jesus Christ.